sure as God made green apples, someday the Chicago Cubs are going to be in the World Series. Here's the 0-1. This is going to be a tough play. Play it. The Cubs win the World Series. You are locked on Cubs. Your daily Chicago Cubs podcast. But we didn't come here to drink beer. We came here to win this ball game. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I said to the Uber boy, I said, take me out with the crowd. What's going on, Cubs fans? I am Sean Sears, and you are listening to Lockdown Cubs, part of the Lockdown Network, your team every day. On today's episode, we are talking about this Cubs offense and how historically bad it is. Uh, we're going to read off some numbers from this pretty brutal stretch of offensive baseball from the Cubs, as well as recap Monday's 6-3 loss to the Brewers. Uh, in the second segment, we're going to do a new kind of uh, seg- or a new segment show idea. I'm starting after the weekends. I was supposed to do this on Monday. I unfortunately did not have the time and energy to do it after my first overnight shift at the score solo, at least. Um, so I did not record yesterday. I apologize. But what I was planning on doing, what we're going to do today is essentially three things we learned from the Cubs from this weekend. I think we're going to lump in this Brewer game as well from Monday because it's not much different than the other games we've seen that the Cubs struggle offensively against the Pirates. Um, so in this first segment, we're talking about how bad this Cubs offense is. In the second segment, we were talking about Chris Bryant and how good he's looked he's one of the few if not the only hitter in this cub lineup that's doing all right and then the third side we're gonna talk about the bullpen there's some serious issues with home runs and walks but outside of those concerns you see some promising numbers from a group that looks like it's figuring things out uh, so we'll talk about that and more here on today's episode which is brought to you by rock auto amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need visit rockauto.com and tell them locked on sent you so here in this first segment this cubs offense bad very very bad not playing well um they had four hits just four hits against the Brewers as Freddie Peralta struck out 10 Cubs, absolutely dominated the Cubs once again through six innings, 10 strikeouts, just two walks this time, one earned run off of just two hits. The earned run was a home run from Chris Bryant in the second inning, and that was essentially the only runs the Cubs had up until the ninth when Javier Baez ripped a double down the left field side that scored Jack Peterson and Bryant to get the Cubs uh, cut the Brewer lead down to six to three, but the Brewers just piled on the run, scoring all six runs in the sixth inning. Uh, Edbert Alzali looked pretty solid on the mound. He unfortunately takes the loss in this game. Five and a third innings of work, three earned runs, one walk, six strikeouts. Um, it was Andrew Chafin that was actually on the mound that gave up those runs. He gave up three more himself, only managing to retire a third or one batter. Justin Steele came in to make his major league debut, won an inning and a third, one hit, just one walk, two strikeouts from the lefty that uh, I was excited to see. And then Brad Wick got a chance uh, to get in here. As we note, or we, we, we haven't touched on this quite yet, but the Cubs had to place Jason Adam, Dan Winkler, and Brandon Workman on the COVID-19 list after their first base coach, Craig Driver, tested positive for COVID. So to replace those guys, Brad Wick and Justin Steele were called up, and uh, Pedro Strope was actually 
selected from the alternative side at South Bend to come and be a replacement player. So Pedro Strope on the Cubs roster, which is cool. It's always fun to see that. But uh, because of those guys being hurt, Brad Wick and Justin Steele get their opportunities. Steele makes his major league debut and looks strong. He's a lefty that uh, Ryan and I have talked a lot about on this podcast and a guy we were hoping could get a chance. It was nice to see the Cubs go to him and he looked okay. Um, Chafin got roughed up for the first time this year and that was a disappointment. Um, But overall, I mean, the Brewers, they, they didn't necessarily smash the Cubs. They didn't hit them incredibly hard. Uh, they just seemed to drive certain pitches. Like, I mean, Jackie Bradley hit a rocket on a lefty-lefty matchup between Chaffin. Uh, You know, uh, Luis Uris hit a, I believe it was a three-run double that cleared the bases that really opened this game up for the Brewers. That was his first hit in a while. Same with Jackie Bradley Jr. This Brewer offense hadn't been playing very well, but seemed to just babbit the Cubs a little bit, and that seems to be the recurring issue. But really, the main concern is that this Cubs offense has looked, uh, to say anemic is is like not even the correct way to describe it. Um, but this offense is on pace to set records. According to Ed Harkick, that uh, uh, a Cubs historian that jo- Jordan Bastian, um, I think Gordon Whitmire, Paul Sullivan, a bunch of reporters re, uh, put out this stat. But the Cubs, 49 hits are the fewest hits by a team in over 10 consecutive games in a season since at least 1901. That's any 10-game stretch, not just the first 10 games of the season. The previous low was 51 hits from September 17th to September 29th in 1968. So the Cubs quite literally have had one of the worst offensive stretches in baseball history right now. They've got just 22 extra base hits. Chris Bryant has seven. Javier Baez has four. The rest of the team is a handful of the, you know, whatever, a couple extra base hits here and there. A slash line of 164. That's the lowest batting average in baseball. A 264 on base percentage. A 321 slugging. Woof. Equates to a 584, 80, excuse me, 585 OPS. That's just barely ahead of uh, the red slugging at 502 right now. That's brutal. This is not good. <laughs> there is there is no other way to describe this. You know, at least last week we could kind of look at this and say this Cubs offense was struggling um, and that there was still the potential to break out that we still kind of thought, you know, there, it was still early on and the Cubs themselves were putting that mantra out. But um, I read a great article from Patrick Mooney uh, from the athletic and a lot of other people had this sentiment too, but uh, you know, this isn't just a team getting off to a rough start or even a team just getting off to a historically poor start. Um, this is just another one of those weird offensive question marks we've seen since 2018, where the Cubs, you know, even coming into spring training, looked like they were going to be able to score runs. Jack Peterson hits eight home runs. The Cubs are consistently scoring eight, nine, ten runs in spring training. That doesn't necessarily mean you're going to score runs on the uh, once the games start matter or meaning something. But like, it also doesn't make you think that you're just going to put out one of like the historically worst. <laughs> uh, offenses ever, really, when it comes down to it. Um, but what Patrick Mooney, the, the the argument he was making, uh, he was trying to say that, you know, this, this isn't just a one-off issue. This isn't just a slow start. This is the same type of issues we've seen this team struggle with for a while now. Since 2018, really, is kind of that circled mark in our calendars where we saw that this offense wasn't quite the same. They weren't a same, the same group they were in 2017 and definitely weren't close to the teams we saw in 2015 and 2016. So 
what exactly do they do? Well, you have to hope this offense does bounce back. You know this group is not going to bat 164 the rest of the season. Um, the one thing I, I was kind of hanging my hat on just a week ago is that the Cubs were walking around 13%, which was leading the league, but were still striking out at a near you know 20. I think they were 29%. The strikeout rate is now 28.8%, a walk rate of 10.4. Um, but we've seen the ISO power, their isolated strength, drop down about 20 points. It's at 157. Bad at 194. Um, you know, this team is just not. They're the only offensive team, according to Fangraphs right now, with a negative war at point negative point zero two uh 0.2 excuse me um so you know what it really equates to is that outside of chris bryant this cubs offense hasn't been able to hit we're seeing them strike out quite a bit we're seeing them miss pitches in the zone javier baez i feel like every other day is swinging through fastballs way too early on sliders teams have figured out how to attack him you throw pitches outside the strike zone in a way that get him to chase and you attack him with high fastballs that he can't quite get on top of sometimes especially if you're setting him up for a breaking ball or something like that and try and blow by that fastball high he just doesn't seem to make that adjustment there's issues there wilson Contreras um is getting hit all the time and actually got fined sixty five hundred dollars uh for in, uh, violating COVID protocols, I think it was sixty seven hundred dollars actually for violating COVID protocols for instigating that fight against the Brewers last week. Um, you know, I, that's stupid all the way around. Like, I get why Contreras is frustrated. It's stupid they're finding him. I get why they're upset that he's violated the COVID protocols. But again, this is a guy that's been hit seven times to start the season, and you know, multiple times by the Brewers, including a, a shot to the. I mean, the logo on his helmet—that's scary and. You know, the Brewers have some guys that can really spin the ball, um, and that's kind of concerning when they're not controlling pitches on the inside of the plate. But it feels like some of that stuff's kind of bleeding into Contreras' approach at the plate. I I, I just, man, there's nothing really you can point to to say, like, you know, this is how the Cubs are going to break out of it. They're just going to have to have guys start hitting, get better plate appearances. You need to work counts. And even if you're not getting good contact on these pitches, which we've seen the Cubs contact rate, I think right now is the lowest in baseball at 69.9%. Uh, <laughs> it's it's kind of crazy, but Brett Taylor from Bleacher Nation tweeted uh, that stat out saying they have the lowest contact rate in baseball. Going back as far as Fangraph has contact data, which is 20 years, there is not a single team that has had a season where they were under 70% contact rate. Wow. They they are just not seeing these pitches. And then then they're they're missing these pitches. And we're seeing Rizzo, you know, like he worked a good account. Uh I, I believe I think it was Ian Happ got on base before him, uh, worked a walk. Rizzo came up and and I think it was on a one-two pitch or two-one count, popped up a changeup behind him that he was just way out in front of. A pitch that you could tell he thought was going to probably go right up the middle. It felt like he knew that changeup was coming, and he just missed it. Javier Baez swung through a fastball that was not necessarily, you know, a burner. I mean, 95 miles an hour with some spin, but it wasn't like a two-seamer tailing back and in on him. It was just a rising fastball that he just missed. Um you know, the, the, these things will change eventually. You can say the Cubs' BABIP is going to get better. They're eventually going to get some more hits the more they put the ball in play. Um, but it just does not seem like this offense can find consistency, can find a groove. And while they're four and six, ten games into the season, you don't want to overreact. The real issue is we've seen these problems before. This isn't new. This is the same struggles we've seen from this offense since 2018. 
And the real problem is, is that we continue to see the Cubs push back these same type of players, the same lineup together, shuffling a few things around. You put in a Jack Peterson instead of Kyle Schwarber. David Bodie comes in to start every day as opposed to a veteran left-handed infielder at second base. You've got Ian Happ starting every day in center field, but for the most part, the very core of this offense is reliant entirely on Bryant, Rizzo, Baez, and Contreras. And when those guys don't hit, it doesn't feel like anyone else in the lineup can really pick them up. And it also feels like, too, that the pressure falls back on a guy like Baez or Contreras or Rizzo or Bryant to carry this team. And it's just not going to work. Teams are not going to let one player on the Cubs beat them, especially when they're all susceptible to the same type of game plan approach. They all chase. They're all not really walking as well as they should. I mean, we're seeing a walk rate at 10%. That's still really good. Um, but we know watching you watch the game and look at the numbers, you know, that walk rate's going to come down. You know, they're striking out too much um, for that walk rate to be a sustained sort of you know tool. You can look on and say, well, the Cubs are going to start to see their on base percentage climb. It probably will. And they're definitely going to bat above 200, I would hope, this year. But um, the, the real problem is you look at this team, there hasn't been many changes, and you're starting to ask yourself, should the Cubs go back and resign some of these guys? I mean, yeah, sure, you don't have real replacements for Contreras right away, at least, or a Rizzo or a Brian or a Baez at the immediate time frame. But, you know, what do you have right now is really the question. The Cubs, I mean, they're they're not out of this division. Obviously, they're just three games back. It's 10 games into the season. We, we all know these things. But the real concern is that the Cubs have faced just the Brewers and Pirates and look like one of the worst offenses in baseball. The Brewers and the Pirates Brewers are six and four right now. Pirates are three and seven. Thanks, Cubs, for all three of those wins for the Pirates. Uh, you know, these aren't going to be the better teams in the in the MLB and even the National League. Um, I'm nervous for them to see the Dodgers, the Padres, the Padres, or heck, any of the teams in the NL East. None of them are necessarily great beyond the Phillies at the moment, but Atlanta's better than four and six. They're going to be one of the better teams in baseball. The Mets are going to eventually hit for Jacob DeGrom, you think. <laughs> and they've only played, through, I think, five games this year because of uh, uh, early season COVID issues. And then obviously uh, Washington, same type of thing. We're seeing games postponed. Uh because of what was going on in Minnesota as well. So there's some teams that haven't quite played yet. But, um, you know, this this Cubs team has struggled against two teams so far in their division that they're going to see quite a bit. Um, that scares me, especially Freddie Peralta is going to strike out 10 Cubs every time he faces them. So you look at this offense and you have to hope things turn around, but it's hard to continue to look at this offense and tell yourself that because that's what we've been saying for four seasons now. And I, I you know, I don't know how much more we can continue to watch this. This is rough. And I feel for Cubs fans. I think there's a lot of people that are like, oh, it's only 10 games. You know, you're not a real fan. I hate to see how you were like during the World Series run. It's like, okay, yeah, sure. The people are overreacting. But like to say the Cubs are not a concerning team on the offensive end and, you know, haven't been dealing with the same issues for, you know, the better part of a decade now. Um, it's, you just obviously haven't been paying close enough attention because this team has these issues all the time. One reason to repair and maintain your car is to save money, and you can use that for other important things like mortgage, food. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, nearly 100% more for the exact same part at a chain store or a new car dealership? For an example, a fuel pump for a 2005 to 2010 Honda, Honda Odyssey can cost $353 in an advanced big chain store. On Rock Auto, that's $216.79. Uh, awesome. Why would you spend more money for that? 
Crazy, right? RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto body parts and for hundreds of manufacturers. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low, and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why spend twice as much for the same parts? Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. So here in the second segment, Christopher Bryant's having a very good season. And we always like to see when Chris Bryant is being Chris Bryant. Um, what's frustrating is he's the only one hitting on this Cubs team right now. Um, <laughs> and that doesn't help anything at all. So, uh, so far to start the season, Chris Bryant batting 265. He's got a 375 OPS of 647 slugging with an or, uh, on base percentage of 375 OPS of 1022. He's walking about 12.5% and striking out a little higher, 27%. Um, last year, that was pretty close to his strikeout percentage last year. But up until 2020, we'd still seen Chris Bryant's strikeout rate continuously gradually decrease. Um, it bounced up a little bit in 2018, 2019, hovered around 22%. But he was getting his strikeout rate down from nearly 30% as a rookie to nearly just sub, I mean, it was sub 20%. Uh, in 2017. So not a guy that's been striking. It typically strikes out a lot, but we've seen him strike out a lot this year so far. Um, that's really kind of the one major concern I have with him. 11 strikeouts so far compared to just those five walks. That strikeout rate's going to come down. Chris Bryant's going to start seeing the ball better. Um, he's lead this team with three home runs. He's got five RBI, scored seven runs. That's Chris Bryant for you. Four uh, doubles, so collectively seven extra base hits like we talked about at the top of the show. Um, Chris is having a solid season so far. It looks like Chris Bryant. If he's going to continue to get on base at a clip of 370 and higher, an OPS of 1022, that's going to be an incredible season to start the year. He's got a weighted runs creation plus right now of 175. These numbers are all very volatile. He could go 0 for 4, and it could look like a bad season to start it out. But so far, he's he's been worth half war on the season. A lot to like about Chris Bryant's approach right now. But I think what's really... uh, making me happy at least right now is that Chris is is hitting all to all over the field. He's he's doing a great job of being able to pull the ball. He's getting underneath his pitches like he typically tries to with that launch angle approach. But um you know the strikeouts are a concern, but I I think if Chris is going to continue to walk the way he is, uh work the the counts the way he's been able to recently, that's really why he's been able to find some success. He's been able to get himself into counts where he can really anticipate a pitch. But it's all about getting himself in those counts so he can go and attack pitches. And we're seeing teams kind of jump on him early. So Chris has kind of reversed his approach and decided if he's going to get first pitch fastball, he needs to get that pitch because he doesn't know if he's going to get another one. And teams are going to start pitching him more and more carefully. He's going to be the only guy hitting. So that's really kind of the, what we'll be watching with Bryant here is sustained success. But the, the numbers tell us at least that Bryant is seeing pitches well. He's one of the few guys that's making consistent contact in this lineup. If he can keep finding himself getting on base, Chris Bryant doesn't have to necessarily be the you know the the run provider. He can be the run scorer. He can get on base. You know, suddenly if a Rizzo starts finding ways to get a couple of hits on, and Bryant's finding ways to get on base before him, that's big. They're putting him lower in the lineup, and I, I like that approach. But I, I think uh, eventually, if you're if you're struggling to produce runs. Uh, 
you know, Wilson Contreras in the two holes, probably not what you want. Maybe Chris Bryant goes back up there, but um, the real question will be whether or not this is sustainable, especially if this offense continues to struggle. Chris isn't going to see a lot of pitches and they're going to, he's going to have to either, you know, take his walks or just kind of, you know, work those singles, doubles, take what he can get and hope someone behind him can drive him in because if he's the only guy hitting their teams are just going to pitch him carefully and go from there. So, but the early signs of Chris Bryant coming back for a revenge season in 2021 look good. And he looks like so far this season, the Cubs best offensive player through 10 games. That's encouraging. Hey, locked on fans bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA college basketball and the NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, reality TV, real updates on odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use the mobile app device to sign up today and receive 50% off on a welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Use promo code LOCKEDON. Be a waiver wire winner with a Locked On Fantasy podcast. It's a daily fantasy baseball podcast hosted by the veteran fantasy analyst Scott Cullen, who uses data and nearly two decades of fantasy baseball experience to offer the strategies and waiver wire pickups that lead to league wins. Follow Locked On Fantasy on the Odyssey app wherever you get podcasts. So here in this third and final segment, what we learned from the Cubs here. So far, we've talked about this offense, which has been pretty bad outside of Chris Bryant, who we highlighted here in the second segment has looked really good. The third and final uh, segment here is going to be dedicated to our bullpen here for the Chicago Cubbies, who have been not terrible. Um, the starters, I, I will say, you know, like Davies and, and Williams have been roughed up a bit. Alzali has, has run into some issues. You know, obviously Kyle Hendricks in opening day got got beat up a bit. But I, I, I think there's enough there to think you could probably – rely on these guys to maybe get you five six innings give up maybe a couple runs they're not getting smashed necessarily but when the cubs are handing over the ball to the bullpen they're getting a lot of positive results there's a 2.93 era from their bullpen it's one of the best in the league and they've got a 13.28 strikeout per nine innings which is one of the best i think it's actually the best in baseball Um, but the two things you look at immediately with the cubs right now is that they're their home run fly ball rate right now is 21.7%. Um, the lowest in baseball right now, ridiculous numbers, but the Boston bullpen is giving up. It has a fly, home run fly ball rate of 3%. Anything that gets into double digits is, is you know, it's essentially the rate of how many fly balls turn into home runs from that bullpen. Cubs at nearly a quarter of the balls that are put in the air, leaving the ballpark from their bullpen. They're Putting together a 53.7 ground ball rate, I believe that is the highest in baseball. They just barely edge out, or actually the Rangers just barely edge them out. Cubs at 53.6, Rangers at 53.7. So they're getting the ball on the ground, and when they are doing that, they're effectively not giving up those big hits. But we're seeing them also walk 5.18 batters per nine innings. So um, they're struggling with their walks in command. We're seeing them miss bats. That strikeout rate has a lot to do with Andrew Chafin and, and Craig Kimbrell. And I will say even Dylan Maples and whatnot have gotten strikeouts even when they've gotten hit. The walks are what's going to kill this team. They also have to make sure they're not giving up the long ball. But you can see 
a couple walks and a home run from a reliever, it's immediately compounding the issue because we're giving up a three-run shot as opposed to a solo shot. It's doing more damage to the Cubs in those moments. But the bullpen, I mean, you look at these numbers at least, immediately the two things I'm paying attention to for a bullpen right away are the strikeouts and walks. If their Cubs are striking out nearly 13, over 13 batters, over nine innings from their bullpen, that's filthy. That's great, and that'll play up for sure. You look at the ERA of 2.93, that's encouraging. It's going to go up. This bullpen isn't going to be necessarily elite, but if they can find a way to lower that ground ball or that that fly ball home run rate and continue to lean on these ground balls when they aren't getting the strikeouts that soft contact this bullpen's going to be tough to to hit and I I think there's going to be pieces that come in and out Justin Steele looks solid and that was good to see um Brad Wick is a guy with good stuff and really tall I think he's six seven he can really you know kind of hound that strike zone and do a good job of getting some really unnatural looking breaking balls from just his, his length. It's a very awkward lengthy delivery, but that breaking ball just kind of falls off the table. So uh, wick, another guy that's going to come in and get an opportunity. That's nice. I don't know if Pedro Strope's going to get a real shot. He's probably a guy that, I mean, I'm, I'm sure he'll get an opportunity if the Cubs need a need a reliever, especially if it's a cleanup situation, but I don't know if he's going to be a guy that sticks once these guys you know, like Adam and, uh, the guys that are on the COVID list here, uh, Jason Adam, Dan Winkler, and Brandon Workman. I wouldn't be upset if Dan Winkler didn't come back and Pedro Strope stayed, but I, I don't know if that's going to be a realistic situation here. But I, I look at this bullpen, and I, I don't think they necessarily have to get to an elite level to, to be effective for this Cubs team, especially because I, I think this rotation is going to be able to give you five, six innings and uh, pretty low-scoring events. So if the Cubs can stop giving up these home runs, and, and tighten up the walks a little bit, even like a three, a, a 3.5 higher walk, you know, balls per nine uh, over that time frame is, is something that's going to see this Cubs bullpen still be effective. They don't have to be locked down. They don't have to be elite. You've got a really good closer. It looks like right now in Craig Kimbrell, let's hope it stays that way, but everything's very volatile with, with everything else. But you look at this bullpen now, at least the numbers they're putting up, you can see, why the Cubs are leaning on these guys. And I think they can become an asset if they can just keep the ball in the park and start tightening up these walks. Um, you know, that's that's really what this Cubs team needs. They just need guys that they can lean on. We haven't really seen that from this Cubs bullpen these last few years. Pedro Strope was kind of that last guy. And, you know, we kind of saw him fall apart in front of our eyes these last few years, sadly. Um, you know, hopefully he figures things out. We always, I think everyone loves Pedro Strope. But, um, you know, we, we, the Cubs haven't had those go-to guys in their bullpen. Wade Davis is the Wade Davis is and Aroldis Chapman's aren't, aren't here anymore, you know, and even like, you know, the, the, the secondary arm guys that we had, you know, CJ Edward was a guy that, that was someone that the Cubs thought they could lean on a little bit. Hector Rondo. And, you know, those guys, not necessarily superstars, but guys that you could go to and say, okay, here's the seventh, here's the eighth. They should be able to figure this out. The Cubs haven't really had that besides Rowan Wick and Kyle Ryan. Wick hurt right now. Kyle Ryan down with the minors. He hasn't looked so great. His last, you know, 2020 wasn't fantastic and his spring training numbers didn't look like anything special to begin with here so um you know the, the cubs need a group that they can lean on andrew Schaefen seems like he's turning into one of those guys um rex brothers seems like a guy that they can maybe lean on craig kimbrell has shown he can he can be reliable at the back end of that bullpen hopefully um but guys like brandon workman a guy that i, I hope we see numbers start trending more towards his career norms getting away from that i think he's got a plus six plus era once he comes back you know that's a weapon you could utilize uh i i, I like this bullpen i i don't i don't hate it there's a lot of pieces i could see working um but 
I uh, I am concerned though, like what happens if the Cubs do have a starter who has to leave in the third inning and Alec Mills is already pitched. You know, who's another guy that can go a couple innings? I don't know if that guy exists right now. Maybe it's Justin Steele. He did go an inning in a third, and, you know, I don't think the Cubs want to push him too much, but he was a starter that eventually got converted to a reliever, so he does have experience of ramping up to those three, four, five innings if he needs to. I don't know if the Cubs want him to do that right away, but he's a guy that has that potential. Um, but that's the real concern. I look at this bullpen, you know, obviously walks, home runs, those are going to kill you every time. You got to, Cubs got to find a way to minimize those mistakes because they don't really have a ton of margin of error to play with with how well they need their pitching staff to be. Um, but then you have to consider, you know, what happens if this bullpen does get taxed? What do you do then? Do you, do, you, do you have a guy that can go multiple innings in this group outside of Alec Mills? I don't know. You're going to probably need Alec Mills to be a spot starter at some point. I like Ross Rossi's aggressive approach now, but later on in the season, might not be able to use Alec Mills quite like this. You know, time will tell, but... That's, that's my concern with this bullpen. Outside of that, though, these numbers are encouraging, and I, I think it could end up being something of maybe not a strength, but you could have some guys in that bullpen where it's like, okay, Andrew Schaafen, we can we can take a, a, a side relief here. You know, maybe, you know, breathe a little bit easier. Oh, Roanwick, okay, here we go. Now we, we, we can go. Here's a one, two, three inning, hopefully. They haven't had those options yet, but maybe that's coming. So, But that will do it here for today's episode of Locked on Cubs. Today's game here will be featuring, of course, the Cubs and Brewers. It'll be the second part of this game. On the mound for the Cubs, it will be Kyle Hendricks versus Brandon Woodruff. Uh, Woodruff took a no-hitter the last time he faced the Cubs all the way into the seventh inning to give up a single hit, but struck out eight Cubs on just 74 pitches. What in the world? He's got a 2.45 ERA in just uh, two starts on the season so far. Kyle Hendricks on the year, a 3.00 ERA after his rough three-inning start against the Pirates where he gave up three runs on just three innings of work, three walks, four strikeouts, and a home run. He came back against Milwaukee and got a no decision, but six innings, four hits, one walk, six strikeouts against Brandon Woodruff, who was also pitching incredibly well, as we mentioned before. Uh, You know, that's... uh, That'll be uh, another tough pitching matchup, and a we'll have to see. The Cubs did not see some pitches against Peralta the first time they faced him. That didn't quite translate in this last game. Um, Peralta did throw about ninety three pitches, but through six innings, that's pretty standard for him. So the Cubs didn't necessarily push that pitching count up there. But Woodruff just seventy four pitches and was no hitting them up until that point. If he doesn't give up that hit, the, the, he's going he's going the distance. So obviously, they're going to try and pitch a no hitter, but um, you know. No reason to push him at that point. So I, I, uh, I don't, I don't know what the approach for Woodruff. Clearly, the Cubs are not seeing him well. Thirteen strikeouts to just two walks. He's going to throw you strikes. You're going to have to take advantage of those pitches early on. So that could be where the Cubs get themselves into trouble because if they do fall behind Woodruff, he's got stuff that can really strike him out. So let's hope that doesn't happen. He did strike the Cubs out eight times uh, last time he faced them. So uh, twelve strikeouts in 2020. Last time he faced them as well too. So yikes. But. Hopefully better results here. The Cubs face the Brewers at 640 at American Family Field. But we appreciate you guys sticking around. As always, make sure you're following us on Twitter at LockedOnCubs. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean R. Sears. And make sure you're following the podcast on whatever podcast app you use, whether that's Spotify, Apple, uh, Google, Odyssey. Make sure you are listening to us, following along, and that you leave us a five-star review if you'd like to. Tell us what you like about the podcast. But you guys enjoy the rest of your day. And as always, go Cubs. Let's get some freaking runs, huh? How about it?